Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report. My name is Charlie Wallace. I'm Adam Gobeski, and please welcome our three uh, voluminous two guests. Uh, we have Doug Gobeski. I... V- 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 what? Tony Huff. Uh, hello, and uh, I'm glad to be back. And Paul Wilcox. It's it's great to be here. Uh, uh, too too vol too ominous. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. We are here to discuss the 57th installment of the Mary Marvel Movie March. It's the May 2017 MCU film Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is, of course, the sequel to Guardians of the Galaxy. It is a uh, continuation of the story of one uh, Dennis galaxy who uh, joins the space force but he also has to guard his house which is why he's a guardian of the galaxy because his last name's galaxy but it's the second one so it's volume two (laughs) (laughs) so he's a guardian of himself (laughs) his job is to protect himself that's the the galaxy homestead oh okay yeah yeah (laughs) i mean you gotta you gotta Look out for yourself first, before you can help others. <laughs> well, he calls the homestead Volume 2, so it's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, oh. Okay. I had a fortune cookie that said, your first and last love is self-love, so that, that checks out, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta take care of yourself first. Self-love is how this whole thing started, and it's how it's gonna end. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, not very far off. Huh? <laughs> what is happening? Kurt oh, Russell is self-loving himself. Uh, <laughs> oh, I never even uh, made that actual connection to the to our topic. Oh, you're just fully. <laughs> I was just making a you know a joke about self love. <laughs> Charlie, three sentences or less. Real synopsis: Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two follows the same characters as the original Guardians of the Galaxy movie, uh, and this time Chris Pratt's dad, played by Kurt Russell, comes back. He turns out he's a sentient being that can create just about anything out of nothing and he decides after reuniting with his son to try to destroy the universe well why is he destroying the universe that's a great question that i didn't quite get a handle on he just doesn't like i can answer life disappoints him and so he yes, wants please to explain it. the movie to charlie <laughs> no I, I think he got it it's but he's not trying to destroy the universe he's trying to remake the universe because he went out into the universe and he was very disappointed and i'm i'm just gonna say his his name is ego and it's 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 kind of a rosetta stone to the way he thinks but yeah he's trying to remake the universe in his own image it's really a cause of both remakes and ayn rand you know you're not far off there i mean all good movies ultimately are call outs of both remakes and ayn rand right (laughs) <laughs> you don't like the Incredibles, Adam? <laughs> or the Incredibles too? <laughs> too ink, too credible. <laughs> too, too in, too credible. <laughs> this movie is too credible. <laughs> well, maybe it just doesn't make it great. Ah, I see. Yeah. It's just pretty it doesn't good. Doesn't make the sight and sound pull. <laughs> that's that's your uh, your bar. It's everyone's bar. <laughs> With the exception of Paddington 2. Obviously, we let that in. But. <laughs> so the question, had you seen this movie before? 
Uh, I saw it in theaters when it came out. You know, MCU movie, but also I was a really big fan of the first one, and so I had a good deal of excitement to see the sequel, and generally was not let down. Subsequently, I bought the Blu-ray, watched it when shortly after I bought it, and can't remember if I'd actually watched it again before just now. It's not its fault. It's just the fault of there's lots of movies. All, all the other movies' fault. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, uh, oh, um, a landmark. Uh, this is the newest movie in the header photo of the Mary Marvel Movie March page that shows up in that little oh. photo. This is the most recent movie in that picture. So I, uh, I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2 in the theater when it came out. Um, remember liking it, and uh, but I have not seen it since then until today. I have seen this movie one time before. Um, I don't remember whether I saw it in a theater at home. I really just I remember the movie, but I don't remember the situation that I watched it in. So I think this is the third time that I've seen the movie. Um, after I saw Guardians, the the first one for the first time. I think it was the very next day I watched this <laughs> this movie for the first time and, and really enjoyed it. And then while I was on furlough, I needed a little bit of a pick-me-up. So I watched, uh, I did a bang-bang of Guardians uh, in one day. And so, um, and I really, I really like this movie. Like others, uh, I saw this in the theaters and then today is my second viewing. How would everybody think about the opening scene with the the monster fight on the platform? That wasn't the opening scene. Was wasn't it? What was the opening? No, scene? No, the opening scene Driving was in Missouri. 1980. Oh, that's yeah. right. Okay, that's right. Let's start at the beginning. That's a very All good right. place to start. Yeah. Frame by frame. <laughs> so frame number uh, one, probably black. <laughs> I'm sure we either faded in from there or perhaps. Do we want to include the uh, the Marvel comic flipping? It well, seemed we different start there? this time. It, it, was, yeah, it was I black think it was before the Marvel comic flipping, though. It starts it, with black. It seemed much more HD. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like just tons of clips from movies rather than just, here's a bunch of panels from comics. Exactly, yeah. Is this Very the first lively. Marvel Studios that does that? I think it might be. I, it might be, because I, I, it, was, it was enough for me to go, oh, that's different. Okay. Huh. I wasn't going to bring it up, but, I mean, now we are. So if we're gonna finally created enough movies. So what did you think of the de-aging tech for Kurt Russell? I honestly didn't notice it. Yeah, and, I didn't and really maybe know. for um, his mom, Laura Haddock? Couldn't tell on that. Kurt Russell looked smooth. Yeah. I noticed that. And it's, his cheeks looked big. Yeah. Yeah, that's Kurt Russell. I, <laughs> I guess it's been a while since I've seen Kurt Russell without a beard. I've seen him in love this. I've seen him as Santa Claus. <laughs> you need to watch Overboard. Yeah, I guess. I don't think yeah. he has a beard in that. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe I just have an objection to Kurt Russell's face, but that can't be true. <laughs> no, I thought it was fine. I knew, yeah, it was only a couple of minutes anyway. Yeah, I thought his uh, his weird little glowing seed was less believable looking. Like, it just looked CGI. The plant thing, you mean? Yeah. That he planted behind the Dairy Queen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah, like that. Actually... I just made me want to go to Dairy Queen again this week. <laughs> so, is that where he banged... The mom behind the Dairy Queen. That's funny. I hadn't considered that. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't considered that either. But yeah. unlike, the, <laughs> unlike the culture of uh, of Drax, you don't actually you aren't taught that stuff at a young age. <laughs> and you're eventually taught, and you're taught all the specifics. I mean, it is beautiful if you think about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it's <laughs> it's really beautiful if you just if you just don't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we learned Star Lord's dad is Kurt Russell, and being from outer space that created himself, essentially. I think just like sort of spontaneously came into being. Yeah. You know, kind of like how uh, life came about originally. Right, yeah. Is in the the primordial soup of outer space or something. Yeah. The vacuum. And then he fleshed himself out into an entire planet. Yeah. And then we get the opening credit scene of the CGI monster fight on the platform. With right. Baby Groot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, like I uh, a lot, actually. I I liked the, the way that they took what would probably usually be like one of the, you know, set pieces of a movie like that, like the big monster fight and just backgrounded it more or less completely. Well, we just focused on the character everyone cares about ostensibly. <laughs> <laughs> like I actually, I appreciated the, uh, the, what's the word? The like chutzpah, but not quite, um, like balls, but not quite. Call. <laughs> no. <laughs> Audacity. Ball. Temerity. Temerity. <laughs> Vision. The gutsiness of it, I guess. I don't know. I liked it. I appreciated that they went for it. That they had enough confidence to yeah. do that. And that's one of the scenes I remembered very vividly from the first time I watched it. And that I knew it was coming up. I like that the squid monster puked rainbows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a very colorful film. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably the most colorful movie of any of the Marvel movies. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know Thor Ragnarok coming up is pretty colorful, but I guess there are moments on in places that are not colorful, whereas this is pretty much colorful all the time. Kind of gave me that feeling of like comic books, but also really gave me that feeling of like prog rock like album mm-hmm. covers. Oh, like you're in a Yes album cover or something. <laughs> Yeah, like that the egg ship that Ego's flying, like there's that one shot where it's heading towards Ego the planet, like towards near the beginning of the movie, where I was just like, this feels like a Journey album cover or something. And it makes sense, right? Like even within the context of the movie that that's what it would look like. Because that's when he was on Earth. Oh, yeah. He was was right there in it. Just, you know, he was was like listening to Relayer on his... And record player or whatever. Yeah, he had Boston. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how he was probably on Earth at not quite the height, but, you know, close to the height of uh, UFO enthusiasm in uh, in America, you know? I I guess he, you know, he came to Earth and he did more of a, a Starman type thing rather than, uh, you know, UFO abduction sort of stuff so that thought definitely occurred to me and it doesn't help that i still have difficulty remembering the difference between 80s kurt russell and 80s jeff bridges (laughs) (laughs) i I did that a lot in my mind like so i was definitely getting starman vibes because of that (laughs) i was like nope it's not him it could have been but it wasn't and then there's star lord (laughs) so it's like that additional thing to kind of screw you up yeah (laughs) I really liked Ego as a character because with a lot of these like sort of godly beings who think they're better than everyone and have to destroy or modify all life in the universe, it's kind of cool that he's like, well, he's kind of like a human, though. Like, definitely in form, and is kind of weak in the 
fact that he's taken that form, but also in his personality. Like, I think even though he's like, yeah, I'm immortal and I'm better than everyone else, it's still like, yeah, but your personality traits are all very human at the same time. You're kind of like a human jerk a little yeah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a human who has godlike powers. <laughs> <laughs> well god with yeah, yeah, god with a small small g, g. small g. she's small g. come on <laughs> yeah this is a movie that really seems to revel in like some of the weirder comic book stuff that's come up in the marvel comics along the way and uh ego the living planet is definitely like one of those things where he's just a he's a big planet with a face <laughs> and, and <laughs> I really like, but I really like that they like. So on the one hand, I understand why you had Kurt Russell there to sort of like have someone to talk to. Right. <laughs> but but I appreciated that there was definitely like that shot where like you saw his face in the whole planet. Yep. Which is how like Ego the Living Planet is typically like illustrated, and so I really like that they went for that, and it really reminded me of like going back. 10 years um, in March time to Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer where they they go to the trouble of introducing Galactus and then don't go for it. And I really appreciated that here they were like, yeah, we're going to go for it. We won't make it a huge deal, but we're definitely going to include it. And like, clearly include it. So, in the comics, Ego is not an actual like, walking person or like, it doesn't have a, have a, a an additional form. No, not that I can recall. So is Mantis not part of that? Mantis is a separate character who has a complicated backstory. Okay. I'm not. But sure, Mantis is but, not but like isn't with part ego. Yeah. Look, my my assumption is that the 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 writers' room process went like this. Okay, what kind of superpowered beings do we have we shown before? Celestials. Okay, yeah, we'll make we'll make Kurt Russell a celestial. Um. Okay, what other characters were in the Abnett and Lanning Guardians of the Galaxy books? Mantis, yeah, she's she's the celestial Madonna. Celestials, yeah, okay. She can be the the you know, nurse or something for Kurt Russell. Perfect. Well, I I, I enjoyed that. I, I thought that that was a really good, you know, coupling and I, I thought it helped move the the plot, you know, pretty pretty well. Um so I'm kudos to the to the writers then yeah what so what is mantis doing with i mean she's helping him sleep is there a reason he can't sleep was he supposed to be like guilty of because of what he was doing or just has thinking about too much um i don't know that that's ever really made clear at least it wasn't to me um i think they kind of glossed over it but i I don't it's something that he can't rest because he's he's so focused on his project is like is like something that she says while mm, yeah. um, they're taking the space flight back to um, to the planet, and it's, I think it's just literally he just needs to have a medicated sleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you it's, know, yeah, it's another <laughs> another that's way that he's that. very human. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely an American for... worker <laughs> <laughs> thinking about work <laughs> at night when he goes to sleep. <laughs> It is kind of strange that this guy who's millions of years old, at least, is, like, not willing to just wait a few decades. Like, why Why is his timetable need to be so accelerated? Yeah, that is kind of funny. I thought about the same thing, like, especially when um, 
him and uh, Peter, when they're like getting close, like, why wouldn't he just take, you know, as lo- much time to like get him onto his side and like manipulate him instead of just like, all right, I'm just going to use you as a battery. Right. <laughs> like, well, like I'm going to do this I, right now. Welcome the impression I got was that ego is so arrogant that he doesn't consider the possibility that Peter would be upset by the idea that he killed that ego killed his Peter's mom. Yeah. Right. He would just like, see like him like oh of course this makes perfect sense like it's a necessary thing that i had to do but i did it because he you know thinks he's more or less gotten peter over to his side he just makes a miscalculation basically that's how i interpreted it it's just he's just pathological then he just (laughs) (laughs) just no empathy whatsoever i can't get past him just being so impatient it's like literally you could have just lived on earth you know married meredith quill and you know just hop back to your your planet every year or whatever to recharge and then eventually she's gonna grow old and die yeah the and and I'm gonna defend you know the movie like more uh so the impression i got there again uh is that it wasn't a matter of waiting her out it was that if he went back he would end up becoming too much like the people the little people and so would give up the plan he didn't want to be tempted into doing that and so if he got rid of her then he wouldn't be tempted to go back and then subsequently be tempted into not doing his expansion or whatever wait 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 wait. is ego migtow <laughs> i was gonna actually say that but i was like doug's gonna say it <laughs> <laughs> He is so MGTOW. <laughs> what does that mean? Men going their own way. Okay, but what does that mean? It's a very, like, incel type thing. No. It's like oh, rejecting okay. It's like anti-feminist. Kind of yeah, yeah. I see. Okay. Well, it fits the vibe, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but yeah. it's, like, not really wrong. <laughs> yeah. He's married like, to the sea. Okay. He's, like, he's like straight up. <laughs> he's, like, gonna go his own way and go to his planet and cover the universe and his no fap energy you know (laughs) (laughs) all these different species just fapping all the time i've got to put a stop to it (laughs) no fap energy i don't know i mean he did did go to the trouble seed on a whole bunch of different worlds (laughs) he did go to the trouble of making a penis as drax oh that's I mean, everyone was so hard on that one. Yeah, (laughs) everybody was thinking it. I thought it was a little over the top to be like, oh, yes, and I literally killed your mother, too. It's not enough that I'm going to kill all of your friends (laughs) and, uh, you know, change all life in the universe. But no, I literally put a tumor in your mother's head. It's the only way that if he would be angry enough. Some people care about their moms more than you do, Charlie. And he crushed the Walkman. Oh, he did. That's right. The link to his mom. Yeah. And and he abandoned her, too. I mean, there was enough (laughs) at that point where I would have, I could have believed that he would not go along with the plan. So at that point, I'm like, all right, fine. Again, we have to acknowledge not everyone thinks exactly the same way as you do, Charlie. Okay. Yeah, some of us think rightly. (laughs) Other father figures in this movie include Yandu, Michael Rooker's back. Uh, He was one of my favorite parts of the movie. I always just enjoy watching him. 
Anybody else like Yandu? I like that they uh, gave him a fin that's a lot more like the year 3000 Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, like the Mohawk-looking yeah. prototype fin. <laughs> like, after this movie came out, uh, that Marvel did a limited series which made clear that this Yandu and the Yandu from Guardians of the Galaxy in the year 3000 are two separate people. But before that, there was, you know, some... It was kind of a gray area. So, you know, was, if nothing else, as a, a tribute to the original, the Finn is a nice touch. This movie's about daddies. <laughs> <laughs> that means something completely different in my circles. <laughs> I, I did know that they dressed Groot up in leather. <laughs> they did, yeah. <laughs> You got some leather daddies in here. <laughs> Regular father daddies. But before we uh, launch into the daddy talk, um, <laughs> we should acknowledge that Yondu's year 3000-ish comic compatriots also show up in this movie, as played by people like Sylvester Stallone. Ving Rhames as Charlie yeah. 27. Yeah, so those characters are from the original Guardians of the Galaxy comic. I just wanted to bring it up because it's a movie, Charlie. But this time he's not a bad guy. Sorry, I just figured Charlie would be more appreciative of that. I just thought Charlie would want to talk about Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yeah, I saw uh, saw him in the credits again at the beginning of this. And I couldn't remember who he was, but I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, when is he going to show up? Like, what is, Who is he possibly going to be in this? At first, Charlie, when you said you didn't know who, like, I thought you were saying you didn't know who Sylvester Stallone was. Like, <laughs> I know that I should know that name, but who? Oh, that where, guy! Where have I seen this yeah. guy before? Do you mean the cat Sylvester? The guy. <laughs> I, mean... <laughs> I would say that one thing that I really enjoy from this film is uh, how they continue to develop the characters, and uh, I, I really appreciate that. Because a lot of times uh, in a, a sequel, you don't necessarily get that, you know, where they continue to kind of like develop, like especially, um, oh, the raccoon. I'm, I'm blanking Rocket. on names tonight. Rocket. Rocket. I, I, especially on Rocket. Like you, you still, you, you get to like learn a little bit more about his backstory. And I know it's a little played, but I, 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 I like it, I guess. I don't know. And maybe I'm, I'm a little biased because I really enjoyed the first film. Um, but I don't know what what are what are other people's thoughts. Oh yeah, I agree with that. Like you get more exploration of him and how he pushes people away, and you get the stuff about Yondu and how he was kind of like that for a while. And- I really like Yondu uh, as as a character. I enjoyed him in the last one just because of like his powers and you know kind of like how badass he is. But I really enjoyed like kind of peeling the onion uh, on his character as well. So you've got that. You've got Peters father figure concerns the overarching theme of the movie seems to be one about like what actually counts as family yeah i like how they develop that theme in terms of the characters rather Mm -hmm. than like situational stuff or something like that or exposition yeah yeah and it hits every every single one of them in a different way but like you said it's a it's a nice central theme that kind of brings it all back together and we also get the absentee father story just like with this different presentation i guess than like a more like traditional like drama or something you know mm-hmm. those, those same sort of beats like oh he had this father who you know 
abandoned him early and then shows up and then he looks up to him and then finds out that he's really disappointed and was hurt <laughs> that the father had murdered his mother. <laughs> yeah. This happens in yeah. all Standard stars. Lifetime movie. <laughs> <laughs> Standard Lifetime movie, Dr. Phil show. I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> I can't tell if you like that or not, Charlie. I, I do like that. <laughs> I do. He would, you could... You could see his smile while he was talking. <laughs> yeah, especially when he, you know, he murdered the mom. I mean, you know. <laughs> he even did it with cancer. <laughs> yeah, he the wasn't most... going to shield her. Ooh. Ooh. 11 out of 10 for yeah. Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, 11 out of 10. No shields allowed. <laughs> shield oh, watch. It's a new segment. Were there any shields in this? Well, Rocket shields himself at one point. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah there's the yeah. I, I, like I guess the... spaceships are a form of shield against the vacuum of space. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. space suits are space suits. Atmospheres are a shield against the vacuum of space. So anything that mm-hmm. takes place on a planet, there's a planetary shield. Yeah. My uh, I don't think my... that counts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like things when... move pretty easily through atmosphere. In a way that things don't move through a proper well, shield. He's not saying he's not saying it's a effective shield, but it is a shield. Yeah. The most disturbing thing is that ultimately we're all made up of tiny shields with those like electron shells, you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just shields all the way down, and it really uh, I don't uh, know about that. Sometimes <laughs> I like that we. <laughs> That Charlie is like, okay, new segment, Shield Watch. <laughs> Do we have some like royalty free like news music drop we can edit? Yeah. <laughs> like it feels like that should be like a daily show type, you know, segment. <laughs> <laughs> shield Watch. <laughs> so families and shields. Like when Drax is like, uh, does he say he he says a good family line and i was like is that from lilo and stitch (laughs) 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 oh how to means family and family means no one gets left behind (laughs) another thing i really like about this movie compared to others is just and i did it in the first the first one i know we talked about it in, in the first uh um podcast but just how many times that like it has like just such a a stop and then they go another way with it. So, like, I'm specifically thinking of when Mantis is keeping Ego asleep and they're all kind of in the core. And it's like, you feel like they kind of, like, won this little battle and you know more is coming, but you just don't know how it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden it's like a rock hits her in the head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose again. I just, for whatever reason, I, I really, really enjoy that. And they do that you know, throughout the movie. And I always, and I always enjoy that. It is like some sort of comic relief, but um, that was, that was one, one thing that I, I, I really like. Or with the baby Groot explosive device where you just get rocket explaining it to him while there's a battle happening in the back. So yeah, yeah. I kind of call back to the beginning where it's like, all right, we've had enough action. We can just <laughs> yeah no, have Chris Pratt yell doing? about tape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes, though, it felt to me a bit like the movie compared to the first ones trying a little too hard. Like at times, yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, that yeah, for sure. Like 
trying like, a little bit to try to bit. recapture that lightning in a bottle of the first movie. Right. Like that one was one of the bit. Um, group bringing back all the Ron things to the prison cell <laughs> was one of those moments. It's like I still I, really like those moments a lot. But they're not but quite I, as organic as in the first one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe if only because they did stuff like that in the first movie. So it's like, yeah, humor consists largely of, hey, I'm a different type of character and therefore I communicate differently. And it's hard for people to understand me, which works pretty well for a while. But when you start to see that, that's like every single joke in the movie and the movies, you know, two hours and 20 minutes. Well, yeah, you're right. It's not every single, but it's right. There's there's a whole section involving taser face. (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's true <laughs> he's a real marvel character by the way taser wow. faces yeah yep from guardians of the galaxy do they make fun of him in the comics as well for the so, name or is that just some so the, artistic so the story so the story goes that the character is named by the artist jim valentino's at the time five-year-old son Oh, it was just like taser face. Oh. That's a cool name. <laughs> <laughs> and Jim Valentino was like, I'm not sure about this. But on the other hand, there's lots of other weird face names like two face and prune face. So clay face. So eh, what the hell? Let's go with it. <laughs> you know, that reminds me, I, I've, I've never read this, but have you heard of that comic called Axe Cop? Yes. yes. <laughs> I was like, that not that like a similar, like, it was like, oh, the guy's like kid names all the characters or something. No, or it, was like, his, it was his brother. Yeah. Oh, his brother writes like, it and he uh, draws it. Yeah, it was like all oh, this stuff okay. like an eight-year-old or whatever would come up with. And he was like, I'll draw it for you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so before Adam interrupted, I think Charlie was about to uh, uh, knock on this movie for being over two hours long. Again, it's not that it was over two hours. It was just that it was too long. <laughs> really? You We're felt it was too long? specifically stating how long it was, two hours and something minutes, as Adam cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> you felt it was too long? I was wondering how much longer it was going to be and checked and had 47 minutes left. And that's huh. about when they go into the center of the planet. It's maybe so, about 40 minutes so left still when the they start the final, final battle. Fight, and you were like, is this over yet? Well, I was more like, it's, oh, this must be like 20 minutes left. And I mean, I think Tony's voiced this in some of the other movies. And then you're like, oh, there's still a long chunk of this movie left. Yeah. It is the part where I feel like my physical endurance kicks in, especially watching it in the afternoon. I start to get very sleepy right around the climax of, of, the, of the two plus hour movies. Um, all right. Well, so I just speaking of the well, I'm, I'm just talking about my physiological response to oh, I'm just with Charlie. So, okay. not you. <laughs> so, speaking of the, climax, part of the sparks that our podcast has, it needs to be Charlie acknowledges that he's wrong, like that's the magic. <laughs> but oh, yeah, the gold people, I don't remember what their names are. Sovereign. The sovereign. The sovereign, yeah. I like them. Sovereign citizens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're kind of, they're kind of annoying like that. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Are you, very are you telling me that there's gold fringe on those flags? Space Admiralty Law. Sorry, I guess nobody else is uh, uh, knowledgeable enough on sovereign citizens. So Yeah, I'm sorry. I like them in the same way. I kind of like Ego, where 
You're like, like sovereign they, citizens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That that checks out with the Charlie. You know what? Let them do what they want. <laughs> they the can have their own thing. <laughs> yeah. He lives in South Carolina as a sovereign citizen. <laughs> they just, I mean, they introduce them and they give them a couple of really interesting personality quirks. And it kind of drives the rest of the action that they're involved in. It's like, yeah, they're vindictive. Like, they're willing to throw everything they have in order to accept the individuals, right? That's the two properties they have. It's like, they're not willing to have any individual be harmed. And also, they're willing to throw everything they have at you if you even slight them. Look, Charlie, when all you have, everything you have is gold, you can afford to throw away a few spaceships. No, I I imagine they're literally made of gold. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm asking you to imagine here. Yes. Throw away a few 10,000 golden spaceships. <laughs> I liked how uh, when the, the one remaining guy finally gets uh, iced by Drax, his fellow pilots uh, all abuse him verbally. And it's like, <laughs> wow, you guys are just bad people. <laughs> like you guys all didn't even make it as far as him and you're giving him crap. Yeah. Sovereign citizens. Just, just, yeah. You know, no solidarity. That, that's why that, that's why those guys lost in the guardians won because the guardians are about family and teamwork. You're, you're, you're right on that count. Also, they didn't have defenses against, uh, egg, uh, egg riding, uh, godlike creatures. <laughs> Fatal flaw in the design. The egg charioteer destroyed them easily. I don't know. It kind of feels like maybe we've already reached this part, but what were things about the movie you enjoyed that we haven't discussed yet? I liked Rocket's booby trap scene. That yeah. was fun to kind of get Rocket going solo and have that montage of him beating people up. He's kind of crazy. Yes. <laughs> Gotta let out that aggression. He, that, that was my takeaway. He enjoys it. A little too much. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, yeah whoa, there were, there were whoa. some scenes with like mass death. <laughs> like when Yandu just kills all those guys. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I did get a little uneasy by the end of that. Only because there's so much. <laughs> like it's kind <laughs> yes, of funny, yes. but it's like it like as it like pans out and shows the scale of this yeah. like, massacre. <laughs> it's kind of like, like how this is kind of an atrocity. I like how yes. Baby Groot also murders people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He throws the guy off the railing. I was like, huh. All right. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he's he's about, he's into revenge killing. Yeah. <laughs> Baby Groot's yeah. fine with that. Well, I guess he's, you know, surrounded by bad influences. <laughs> <laughs> and they blew up the whole spaceship at the end of that, too. So it's not like there were survivors. Rude of that lady to laugh at Taserface like that, though. Yeah, as everything's burning in the background. <laughs> yeah, he's about to die, and it's just very disrespectful. And I mean, at least Taserface had his brief moment. He did, yeah. It's metaphorical! <laughs> <laughs> he was on top of the world right then. Well, you could tell he was really happy he had a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> So I think one of my favorite scenes was uh, when Yandu, but when he's coming down and he's like, you look like Mary Poppins. And he's like, is he cool? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, he's cool. And she's like, I'm Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> like, I yeah. don't know why, but that, that's a good moment. 
that got me this last time where I just I couldn't stop laughing. Anytime Drax talks, I just yeah, yeah, yeah. like I, every Drax line, every Drax is like line, my favorite part yeah. of the movie. But, <laughs> I, that's why I was I was like trying to think of like what are the standout scenes, but I think he's the always where, like he always just injects like a little, you know, injects yeah. some good. I I th- I think one of my favorite ones of Drax though is like it was pretty early on when um, the sovereign airships are coming at him and Peter's like, why are they? They coming after he's like oh it's because rocket stole the batteries like you're not supposed to say anything he's like oh something unrelated i don't know why they're here like <laughs> it's, a <mystery. laughs> it's a mystery yeah <laughs> like what a great cover like that's a good friend right there <laughs> And also, I think in the first movie, was he able to lie? I think, or maybe he was like developing, like, because he takes everything literally. So just his attempts to right. do so here are like, are so bad. <laughs> <laughs> or where he says Mantis is hideous. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, she's not, you know, meaty enough for his taste. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and then his like gagging thing, or like, <laughs> <laughs> Look, man. I don't know about you, but I don't. I don't. I'm not down for uh, uh, the horizontal mambo with a six, uh, you know, five foot six stick insect. So, especially if they know what you're feeling while it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I never is, thought about sex with mantis. Like, <laughs> like wait, talk about is, intimate. Is horny an emotion? <laughs> Doug, I, I know what love is like. Also, her name is Mantis, so I'd be a little wary. <laughs> <laughs> Need a real. You're waiting for that traumatic transformation scene. <laughs> so one of the things I liked a lot. So when Yandu uh, saves Peter by rising up into space and then dying, and then he gets like the, I guess the version of cremated with the like special like uh ceremonial stuff and peter has his little speech about him being his dad i liked that but then when rockets like they came and like all the ravagers show up like i actually choked up a bit because i found that really moving and so i really like that moment where they just saw they're doing their fancy like light show explosions in space and stuff and honoring yondu did you notice the uh arrow shaped uh yellow trail Yes, I did notice from that. the cremation. Yeah, but that, yeah, was a, that was a nice touch. That's worth noting. Yeah, it was an interesting choice to have that be really the last full scene of the movie too. Yeah, I mean, I, mine, so I mean, there are a lot of after credits or a lot of little bits that come after that, but that's the last full scene of the movie, mm-hmm. and just the last the last thing you see is Rocket tearing up. Yeah, made me think about raccoons, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> how do their how do their eyes work? They have tear ducts. So they cry. <laughs> Those trash I guess pandas. if you put human emotions into a raccoon, they would probably cry as a response. You'd better so put tear ducts in. Like also tons of cybernetic cry. implants. Don't forget the cybernetic implants, Paul. Oh, yeah. like There could definitely be some other, other uh, forces at work there. But of course, raccoons have tear ducts. Yeah. I mean, of course. Because they they, they well, get stuff in their eyes that they need to get out. Not, yeah, not they, for crying. They need to lubricate the eye and all that. Yeah. But they don't. But they probably don't. It's probably only a response to just stimuli. 
Just uh, Charlie over here sneering his way through animal facts. On the, on the <laughs> eye, you know. It's not a, yeah, no, they, of course, raccoons have tear ducts because in this uh, thing on pets, uh, or animals.mom. <laughs> what? <laughs> animals.mom.com. Animals with no tear oh, ducts. Uh, rabbits, seals, mom. goats, and whales. That's it. <laughs> it's those four. Rabbits, huh? All right. Wait, whales can't cry? Yeah, whales, uh, apparently they have some sort of oil. Yeah. Sweep not. Oh, weird. They produce oils to keep their eyes moisturized. I think oh. so. So do humans, I thought. <laughs> some... Doug, what was your scene? I know, because mine have, have been lacking <laughs> with all the screen time. <laughs> He's um, got an oil can like the Tin Man <laughs> said next to you. <laughs> got to put in those uh, those gel drops you know, to keep, <laughs> so, keep my vision nice and blurry. I've got two. Uh, one of them is just the the little miniature spaceship thing with all the lasers that they have at the near the end of the movie. That was just a really neat design, like the way the lasers worked and stuff. I've I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in a sci-fi film. So that was very creative, excellent work uh, for for the designers on that one. Um, but the other one is I liked the the scene where uh, Gamora's just. You know, sitting out in the field, and then it's almost like uh, what it was. It North by Northwest. Yeah, I definitely. Got that <laughs> oh yeah. You know, the plane just comes in trying to strafe her, and then it practically, yeah, you know, just you know, turns into a big fight. But <laughs> like, I just really liked that uh, the way that began. I liked the Zoom moment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and three hundred songs. You know, it, not only was it a funny joke. But it made me think, yeah, wow, 300 songs. <laughs> oh, I thought he just meant it was the soundtrack to 300. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> no, I Get didn't. out of here. I didn't. Do you think in like 20 years, kids will think that the script was in earnest when they're talking about that? Oh, like they're like, yeah, they're like just actually like, yeah, man. They're like, Remember yeah, when, that like we appreciated music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what MP3 players were back in. 2017 right <laughs> yeah i guess it would only be about one decade so it was like a music player but it didn't connect to a streaming service <laughs> <laughs> where did you plug it <laughs> you literally had to physically plug it yeah it involves like knowing the exact like seven year gap or whatever of technology yeah actually that that, that is gonna yeah, like blur that out later about it, that's a lot smaller gap than i realized like we're not that far out from the zoom no or the or the sansa you know or li- or limewire paul where you would yeah. <laughs> try and like get an album to download you go to school and come back and still have 48 hours left on your that's download like, oh this one's <laughs> Yeah, like where if you were getting a song clipping along along at like a few, you yeah. know, KBPS, you were you were happy. And my mom yelling at me because I was on the internet and she <laughs> couldn't use the phone. <laughs> so yeah, we haven't even talked about the soundtrack. To well, the we're movie. saving it for the end. Well, here we are. Don't act so surprised. Because we're doing a Merry Marvel Movie March song off. Oh, hooray! And how? <laughs> when was the last time we did that? This, I mean, as much as I would like to do brandy, I don't think that one counts, right? It's the 
original no, song. Guardians Inferno. Yeah. All We're right. Let's all go to YouTube. Ever composed? No, no, no. Well, yeah. Send us the link to YouTube first, but talk about the rest of the soundtrack because I assume you didn't want to talk exclusively about Guardians Inferno. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think the soundtrack is about is as successful as the first movie, where it picks a lot of songs that are recognizable, but not like I guess too obvious and thematically appropriate. Yes, exactly. Like, I saw him playing Cat Stevens, and I'm like, oh, Cat's in the Cradle. I'm like, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> what? Charlie! <laughs> you get mad. Cat's in the Cradle's yeah. Harry Nilsson. Oh, is it? Philistine. Really? I guess yeah, I've been under a misapprehension. Cat's in the Cradle was Cat Stevens. Yeah. Because well, they, they, yeah. they, they both have cat? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, name another cat. <laughs> Sylvester. Cat Dennings. <laughs> yeah, who just got I engaged. didn't know she was a musician. I'll have to you look at that. Right? Oh, sorry. It's, uh, I got Harry it wrong. Chapman. Yeah, it's Harry Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I knew it was Harry something. But then, of course, uh, I, I loved um, Kurt Russell speaking through the entire <laughs> chorus of Brandy <laughs> in case we didn't know the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Multiple oh, times. Everyone does. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thematic heart of the movie, Charlie, for him. <laughs> it is It is kind of funny, it, depending on how I was like, this scene is is necessary. But if you've like, depending on the degree to which you've internalized the lyrics to that song. That's true. You know, it, it it's kind of funny to hear him say <laughs> that. <laughs> yes internalize the lyrics to a song that i've not heard before yeah exactly you know somebody needs to have spent more time in the dish room in 2005 (laughs) (laughs) uh i'm sorry but the only thing i remember from dish room in 2005 would be power 96.5 downloaded that song on napster be honest that's how i listen to brandy a lot i wasn't on my zoom though i was just i burned it to a cd because i didn't have a zoom Adam turned me on to Brandy. I uh, put it on a uh, a playlist for trivia when I was hosting. It's a good length for a song. It really is. Oh, for a moment there, I assumed you meant the drink. Adam Adam turned you on to Brandy. <laughs> <laughs> you should try Brandy. It's not my thing, but I think you'd like it. It's got alcohol. <laughs> yeah. No, I was I drank Brandy and then Adam turned me on. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> but anyway, Guardians Inferno. I've sent you the link. Listen at various speeds. Right, the winner so far is uh what, Home of the Home of the Brave? Home It's it's still at it all you're talking to. Yeah. But not at the original speed. Watching this uh, video reminds me that uh, we didn't talk about Karen Gillen as Nebula, even though I thought she was better served in this movie than the last one. Oh, yeah. Like, I thought she had more to do than I thought. She, she seemed more comfortable in this movie than in the first one, for whatever reason. Storyline or makeup or whatever. The makeup took half as long. <laughs> That's what I read. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, what did she? Did she look different in the? Well, she's not in makeup in this video. She's just as herself. But it just reminded me, like, oh right, Karen Gillan. <laughs>
<laughs> I'm a fan of 0.75 right now. I mean, 0.75 is what you <laughs> That's why I like 1.5, I don't know what you're talking about. Jeez. <laughs> oh, you got a marathon runner over here. <laughs> He's got things to do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I dig the song. Uh, Alright, is it better than Howard the Duck? Probably not, because it's mainly instrumental. And there's not enough oohs in this one. I personally would probably put this above Home of the Brave. Ooh. Mm. What? Uh, probably not as good as Men in Black. So I think for me right now, it's Howard the Duck, Men in Black, uh... Guardians Inferno, Home of the Brave, Black Suits Coming, Man Thing. Did I miss anything? That uh, sounds what I remember. Like what I remember. <laughs> All right. So it's good. What do others think? I'm having trouble finding good quality Home of the Brave uh, vids on YouTube <laughs> right now. I don't think there are any. Good must, must have got a takedown. I'll have to pull up the actual movie. Um, I'm I'm rewatching the uh, guardians inferno and it's really growing on me so yeah i can't say that it's better than men in black i still like home of the brave a little bit better but i think this is number three where's howard the duck oh oh no it's number four you're right i don't know i like howard the duck because it's a little bit more wait is it i was gonna say it's more earnest but i'm not sure it is (laughs) (laughs) when they were writing it did they really thinking about writing it from a duck's perspective (laughs) (laughs) what would it be like george clinton was like "Mm, let me get in the mindset (laughs) oh which he which uh wasn't the closing song of uh the credits um one nation under a groove flashlight anyone else want to venture an opinion before we wrap stuff up i don't think i can rank them but uh it's a good song I got distracted going and listening back to uh, Home of the Brave. <laughs> I was listening to Howard. That's the Duck. why you don't go back and listen to it unless you've got the time, Paul. Yeah, you, you can't. St- it's actually you got to have an I, hour or so. I've I send a, a weekly letter to my congressperson to uh, <laughs> make it illegal to stop Home of the Brave while it's being played. <laughs> Has to be played before all sporting events. <laughs> You have to stand and remove your hat or it's illegal. <laughs> so ultimately, what would you think of this movie? Would you turn your back on it because it broke your Ravager code? Or would you ultimately uh, send it off with a Viking-style funeral in space? I mean, if it was child trafficking, I probably would have to. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing satisfies you, Paul. <laughs> I just needed to get the child trafficking thing because we never covered the fact that like, okay, big emotional funeral or whatever, but also like, you know, that. Anyways. Look, I'm just asking how many zooms out of 10 would you give this movie? There we are. (laughs) (laughs) What Paul was holding out for was the big zoom. (laughs) I just love thinking about multiple zooms. Like, (laughs) I'm gonna find the guy on YouTube who's like, so here's my collection of zunes. He's got them all laid out on the table, and he's panning over them. Look, once you've got brown, what else do you need? 
uh, we all really liked the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I yeah, you hated it. Yeah, I hated it half a point more than everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> that makes you a monster. Yeah. It does. I like its play on the abandoned son who's finding and idolizing his father trope. And I like how it expands on the characters that we've already seen. But I, beyond that, I don't really see it doing anything different than the original movie. And I didn't like it quite as much, and I thought it was a bit overlong. Uh, I am going to give this eight zooms out of ten. Still highly enjoyable, but didn't give me enough more than the first movie to really get it up to that 9.5 I gave it. So I agree that in some ways this movie isn't quite as awesome, I guess, <laughs> as uh, the first one. Um, there are moments where it does feel, particularly with some of the jokes, like it's just trying a little too hard. Like it almost has that family guy energy of like, we're going to belabor this joke a little too long. <laughs> you know, I was this close to comparing the uh, the fight between Gamora and Nebula to the Peter and the chicken fight. Um, I would disagree with Charlie though. I actually thought thematically it was a little stronger than the first one. Cause in some ways the first one is just about a ragtag group who gets thrown together and learn, you know, the sum is more than the parts. Whereas this one, it's a little clearer to me, like, Oh, there's a thread about family and about what it means to be related to someone versus what it just means to be like a family figure. And you know, the ties that we have between friends and things can sometimes be more like a family than our actual family. Like th- I like that, that, that theme seemed pretty clear to me and I thought it was a stronger, uh, more coherent theme than what was in the first one. But yeah, there's a couple moments that I just like, eh. I actually don't like the Stan Lee cameo in this. I think partly because it's, acknowledging a fan theory that was kind of stupid. <laughs> I should explain this real quick. There's this fan theory that Stan Lee in every MCU movie is the same character doing different things because he was actually one of this race of beings called Watchers, who are the bald people he's talking to, who observe human history without interacting in it. His scenes here seem to be a play on that, and I, I, I don't know, I just don't think it's great. But I like all the characters. I like the new characters introduced. I think Kurt Russell's a great choice to be Chris Pratt's movie dad. I think that works pretty well. Um, Like I said, it's not quite as good as the first one, but I'm still going to give it 9 out of 10. 9 zooms out of 10. Well, it's a very colorful movie, but I don't know. Somebody mentioned that, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, character development in this movie. And I'll be honest, I didn't even notice. Like, it... The movie doesn't seem to take anything seriously, like to a fault. And it just kind of, it just makes it feel very much like, I don't know, eating a bag of candy. Like it's, it's fun, but then, you know, you just feel kind of empty at the end. It's, it's also kind of a forgettable movie. I, I do agree with Adam that some of the jokes do try a little too hard. Um, like the, the sovereign leader out on the snow and the, you know, the servants unraveling the uh, blue carpet for her. It's just kind of like, you know, eh, stretching a little too far for some of those laughs. That said, I did enjoy the acting throughout. Um, I mostly enjoyed the CGI. 
some points it was just a little i don't know too much the the vegetation on ego maybe i'd say ego's surface (laughs) again very colorful really nice but just like i can't shake the feeling that as i'm watching it oh i'm watching cgi it makes it very difficult to suspend disbelief for me space stuff generally was good though yeah i'd say eight zooms out of ten it's solid but it's it's just not incredible or anything so Hmm? I said, I thought you were going to give it less, just the way that you were talking about it. You know, I thought about it, but this, you know, I've essentially looked at, you know, well, what have I given lesser ratings to? And it's like, well, somebody had to be for its flaws. It is better executed than, uh, uh, you know, many movies. So somebody's got to be the Charlie who says a bunch of negative stuff and then gives a higher rating. Right. Yeah. yeah, basically. I mean, most of that was just about strictly the effects, though. The, the That's fair. Stuff, you know. Yeah, I mean, I um, I agree this isn't as good as the original Guardians, but I still think it's a pretty solid movie. I, I disagree. I do think there was a pretty good amount of character development, especially when you kind of pair them off. Uh, you see Peter and Gamora. You see that relationship kind of start to to kind of take hold, even Gamora and Nebula, they start to set the scene for what we'll see later on and kind of how Nebula is turning into like someone who's not completely evil and helping out, but also has this very odd relationship with Gamora. Um, but uh, all that aside, I, I really enjoyed um, the action scenes, the humor throughout. Um, I, I do agree that it had parts that, you know, they were just hitting the same joke or kind of the same trope over and over again and kind of got played a little bit. But um, overall, uh, I think I was in a better mood watching it this time around than I have been in the past for some other movies. So that may have also uh, aided in me enjoying it a little bit more. Um, I'm giving it nine zooms um, because I, I, I think it's a pretty solid movie. I just realized that one of the things that just felt a little try hard about this one was the soundtrack. Really? Yeah. No, you're, no, you're wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, just I, mean, wrong on that. I, I mean, I, I felt the soundtrack was actually pretty solid. Like it, I didn't think that it was. I don't know well. that I recognized any of those songs. But Honestly, it, that probably says more about you. Yeah, because half of those songs I think are pretty recognizable. The chain, you don't Randy, know. <laughs> Southern Night, The Chain, Flashlight. I'm not big on classic rock. Right. right, but that's not the movie's fault. Yeah, but I, well, how is it that I recognized stuff in the first film, though? What did you recognize in the first film? Wasn't there a Jackson Five song in there? Okay. Yeah. I think it's a kick. Like hooked on a feeling and stuff. I mean, I don't know. It just I didn't. It didn't cater to me, the person who doesn't care about music from the seventies. Okay. I think we found like the exact layer of seventies music that Doug is familiar with. I think this is like (laughs) one minuscule, like millimeter deeper. Yeah. Yes. 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 And then, therefore, it's it's terrible. Well, I said I wasn't going to mark it down further. I just wanted to articulate <laughs> that for me, it felt a little tryhard as a result. Like they they just 
in in keeping with their theme of everything about this movie needs to be more compared to the previous one. Uh-huh. Did you want them just to reuse the, the same <laughs> soundtrack? Like, I, what's Did the? Did you just want a random selection of songs like Suicide Squad? <laughs> like, what's the what's the fix? Oh, okay, I, I they should have consulted me on what I was familiar with. Wait, hold on. I think... Putting together the choices. Hold on, I think Paul's coming to your defense. <laughs> yes, in, in a way. <laughs> I guess I it it does it did I see what you mean when you say try hard because they're clearly trying to you know like it very much to me like a lot of it feels like the first movie everything about it was was like new and fresh lightning in a bottle type stuff so the sequel is ultimately gonna be like well how do we do this but sort of the same but sort of different maybe better and more in some ways and so i don't think there was any way they were gonna ever like top the soundtrack and if they're going for the same vibe then it's it is gonna feel like okay they are trying because this time they had to try because they had a something to reference I, I just i'm not saying even, i don't I, like it but it is like okay well they did like the walking in slow motion to classic rock type you know stuff last movie and they did it in this movie and it was still cool but i i, yeah. I feel like if they don't include that or they don't do some like some nods to the original then people are gonna bitch about that you know what I mean? And say that they were, oh, they're trying to go completely off script, you know? Like, it, it just feels like maybe there's not a win here. Yeah, yes, exactly. Also, it's crazy yeah. to me. Actually, every, yes. It's crazy to me looking at the actual soundtrack, how many of these songs I recognize. And to think that Doug didn't recognize them, like, <laughs> Mr. Blue Sky... My Sweet Lord, Come a Little Bit Closer, Surrender by Cheap Trick. I mean, come on, man. This is a very uh, specific, culturally centric conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, okay, there's a there are some deeper cuts on this list, but there's some pretty big hits. <laughs> I'm all worked up on your behalf. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> You you did a I think you did a better job of articulating some of my points than I did. Thank you. <laughs> now I'm gonna rate the movie really high, and everyone will be like, "You're full of shit." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, ten and a half out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> ten and a half zunes. Half because I have a zune collection. Yeah, the half is a it's a prototype zune. He stole it from Bill Gates. So I think I've already said kind of a lot of what I think I didn't like as much about Guardians Volume 2 compared to the first one. The first one was just so good, and it was something we hadn't really seen before, that no matter what they did, it would have to be insanely better than the first movie to feel as good as the first movie, I feel like. But I still think that it was, you know, it was really good in its own right. I do uh, kind of agree in some ways that some of the humor felt a little more forced than the previous time. I still thought, you know, if I had, if I had seen Guardians two without seeing Guardians one, I might not even be saying that. Like, there's just always comparing it to the first one. But there was a lot of stuff I really liked. In fact, the the tryhard humor of it is actually probably still one of my favorite parts about it not just because i think it's funny 
but because of it like upping the relatable factor or it almost puts me sometimes like the goofy humor moments pull me into the movie more than they because sometimes when you're watching like people in crazy situations and and they're doing things not at all like what real humans are capable of or would do or say when you kind of have these like stupid humor moments like talking about the tape and stuff it's like well yeah we've all like worked on projects with people that's what it would be like except you're inside some crazy planet being and you're trying to blow his brain up so i i actually really like that i agree with adam and then it, it was very thematically strong as well um but it just doesn't I guess a lot of it, the overall package just kind of doesn't hit as hard as the first movie did. So I think I'm going to go with 8.5 zooms out of 10. I wondered if you were going to split the difference between us. I was going to do that in the nines. Very, very get go. After you and uh, after you and uh, Charlie both went, I was like, yep, 8.5. There it is. <laughs> hey, something else just occurred to me. There's a little bit of parallelism in how uh, both of uh, Star-Lord's parents die. One dies from brain cancer, the other dies from brain implosion. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. This movie's got layers. Mm-hmm. It does. And they sent Baby Groot in there to blow up his brain. Yeah. Baby Groot is a metaphor for cancer. <laughs> oh yeah i mean they they kept mate they kept uh bringing up how you know oh we kept uh peter around because he was small he could slip into places for thieving good and then uh they put uh baby groot in through the tunnels because he was small that's true yep and star lord's kind of like dadding it up at the end with with groot yeah he said he knew how yondu yeah. felt yeah yeah i love i loved that <laughs> that was pretty great <laughs> like Finally, teenage group, the moment we've all been waiting for. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on our 57th installment of the Merry Marvel Movie March. Our next one is going to be delayed slightly because Piscopo Day is coming up in the normal Marvel slot of the every other one. So we're going to do Piscopo Day for you instead after whatever the next one is. But then we'll have two Marvels back to back for you. So don't worry. Uh, so I guess that only pushes us back a month, but we're in March time going to move forward two months to July 2017 and Spider-Man Homecoming, a movie Charlie has refused to watch up to this point. So what? I guess it depends on your definition of refuse. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie, I'm with you. I'm actually waiting to watch it for the podcast. So oh, we have that to look forward to. You're going to love it. It's got Logan Marshall Green. Oh, Tom Hardy's in that movie? You're thinking of Venom. No, Logan Marshall Green's in Venom. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, you said it, Tony. <laughs> I have to work tomorrow. So. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well then, thanks to our three uh, voluminous vol, 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 volumin- thanks to our three voluminous two guests, Paul Wilcox. It was, it was too fast, too voluminous. Anthony Huff. Thank you, and uh, I didn't realize that Piscopo Day is coming up. I will uh, brush up on my uh, Margaret Thatcher. Oh, good. <laughs> it's going to get weird. <laughs> <laughs> and Doug Gobeski. It was fun. Thanks for having me. Oh, and for another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report, my name's Charlie Wallace.
Oh yeah, and I'm Adam Gobeski. Did I say that already? I don't remember. Whatever. Yeah, it's an outro. This is an outro. It's an outro. The music's playing. Anyway. I, did, I didn't mean to step on you on that one. Sorry. I but didn't I do Margaret Thatcher for Pisco You Day? did. Yes, you okay. did, Mrs. Uh, Featherbottom as Margaret Thatcher. Well, so that's what started the whole Margaret Thatcher thing. <laughs> that was the moment. That was the moment. Yeah. <laughs> That's our show. Thanks for listening. We hope you check us out. Don't forget you can visit our website at www.gobeskywallacereport.com. Also, we're on Facebook and Twitter, so make sure to look for us there for extra entertaining bits. You will be entertained. Possibly. Wait, so you're definitely entertained, but only possibly entertained. Well, I don't want to get sued for false advertising. I need to have seen Paddington 1. No. Mm, no, but Paddington 1 is good and worth it. Yeah. Paddington 1's like, well, oh, this sure. is good. And Paddington 2 is like, this is great. If I yeah. only have enough time for one Paddington film, which Paddington film should I watch? Paddington Tokyo Drift. <laughs> Paddington 5 ever. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you, like, construct a Paddington, like, movie cardboard like oh, marketing things. Yes. <laughs> I remember this now. I remember going to NCG and breaking down all of these cardboard displays and then driving them over and putting them back together. That was a fun puzzle. Those things are no joke. They're not meant to be deconstructed and reconstructed. <laughs> Why were you doing this? Why was I doing that? <laughs> Hold on. I was you getting were, paid for this. As I say, you're being paid through Michigan State University. <laughs> we were running a movie night, and one of the ladies thought it would be cool to like line the halls with like movie displays of movies we weren't playing. <laughs> <laughs> Just the Paddington talk really uh, brought me back to one yeah, ball. I- I can't believe I like I almost forgot about that, and it's so important to me that I can't believe it. <laughs> I think I asked you. I think before we threw it away, I asked you if you wanted it, and you were like, "Um, no." <laughs> oh, I was I was so well adjusted. <laughs> I guess I didn't have the space for it when I lived at home. (laughs) Now I would probably go throw it in the basement and be like, yeah, it's going to be worth something. (laughs) Someday we won't be able to go to theaters and we'll have to construct these in our home. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man.